healthy from the inside out. This is Valley Well Valle Salud, a health and wellness information program brought to you by ValleyWise Health and District Medical Group. Each week, we go in-depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello and welcome to Valley Well Valle Salud. I'm your host, Lauren Vargas. Today we're talking about something that so many people deal with on a daily basis, and that's arthritis and chronic pain. So what do we need to know about these issues to live our best life? Joining us to discuss is Dr. Sheetal Chaya. She's a district medical group attending physician at Valleywise Health, the chief of rheumatology and medical director of the medical subspecialties department. She's also an associate professor for the Creighton University School of Medicine and the University of Arizona. Really a long and impressive title there, Dr. Chaya. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be here. So let's talk about arthritis first. According to the CDC, over 54 million adults have arthritis in the U.S. alone. So what exactly is arthritis? So arthritis is actually not one single disease. It's actually a term that specifically means joint inflammation, actually. Um, but we usually use it, you know, very, very graciously to, to describe joint pain or joint disease and usually um, can involve some swelling or um, some overall generalized pain. So it's, it's a term that we use to describe many different types of, of, of joint pain in general. So what causes arthritis? I wish we knew. It really does depend on the type of arthritis that we're talking about. And again, that's a theme that really goes through all of the different diseases I treat. But in arthritis, the most common type of arthritis being osteoarthritis is really thought to be secondary to degenerative wear and tear and some damage to the cartilage. But I will say it's a little more detailed than that. And it's quite poorly understood if we think about the details behind all of this. We're still studying this. Repetitive trauma really tends to activate what we think um, is as a robust immune response, and that can lead to damage to the joints. But when we talk about things like rheumatoid arthritis, we probably are looking at more of an immunologic response of the body uh, to attack joints itself, and, and the joints themselves become damaged. So uh, lots of causes there, but really depends on the type of arthritis we're talking about. So unfortunately, I'm someone who cracks my knuckles way too much. (laughs) I know it's a terrible habit, but I'm interested to know if cracking knuckles can cause arthritis in your hands or if it's damaging in any way. So I always love that question because I am a serial knuckle cracker. So, um, and, and, and really contrary to what our amazing moms and dads have told us, cracking knuckles do, does not actually cause osteoarthritis. But it's actually kind of interesting when you think about what it is. So if you think about the joint cavity itself, it's actually a closed cavity. It's a closed space. And it, it contains natural synovial fluid that these cells make. And it's really important to have that so that our joints can glide smoothly between each other. And so when you actually go to crack your knuckle, you're introducing air bubbles into that very close sealed space. And so the air bubble cracks, it pops, it makes that sound, and the seal sort of temporarily gets broken. And so instead of not hearing anything, you're going to hear more of those bubbles popping. And so essentially, you get that sound. But the cracking is not actually causing any damage to the joint. So fun party trick, but not causing any long-term damage at all. That is really good to hear. Okay, so who exactly can be affected by arthritis? Unfortunately, I think arthritis is sort of an equal opportunity disease. It really does, again, depend on the arthritis we're talking about, but 
really anyone is uh, vulnerable to it. In osteoarthritis, we, we really talk about the risk factors being increased age, sort of that degeneration over time, increased weight, because uh, again, weight-bearing joints really take the brunt of that every time we take a step. But previous trauma to a joint, so athletes that have had injuries uh, to weight-bearing joints or, or even non-weight-bearing joints are definitely at risk of developing some arthritis in the end. Other things like smoking and abnormal joint tissue, things that maybe we couldn't control that we were born with. So those are sort of the more common causes that we can come up with when we talk about who gets arthritis. Family history does play a role. In fact, there's almost a 60 to 65% heritable components. So there are certain groups and ethnicities that are more prone to getting different types of arthritis than others as well. You know, it's so unfortunate. And I don't know if my family member has arthritis specifically, but she was huge into aerobics back in the 80s and was, you know, a, a major proponent of working out. She was extremely fit and went on these national competitions for it. But now she's I think she's in her 70s and she's had the worst time with her hips. She's had multiple surgeries. So it's almost like a double-edged sword, you know. She worked out so much, but now she's almost paying for it. And it's just kind of that hard balance between working out and exercising but not damaging your body, right? It really is. And when I take walks and I go for runs, I always think about what I'm advising my patients because on one hand, we really do encourage them to do their their exercise. In fact, we encourage weight-bearing exercise to prevent osteoporosis, in fact, an entirely different disease, but nonetheless incredibly important to keep exercise up. And on the other hand, we see that repetitive trauma to a particular joint over time can actually probably cause more harm than good. So it really is striking a balance between good health and and uh, and caring for your joints in general. So one thing we like to recommend quite a bit, and I'm sure we'll get to this later on, is a lot of muscle building, really supporting the surrounding muscles so that the joints themselves are protected. We're talking about arthritis and pain management with Dr. Sheetal Chaya with ValleyWise Health and District Medical Group. You can make an appointment at ValleyWise Health by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or by visiting valleywisehealth.org and click the book appointment button. Now, what about children? I know you said, you know, it often depends on getting older, certain types of arthritis on, you know, your weight, family history, but what about children? Can children be affected? So absolutely they can be. And there's a very common type of arthritis uh, or group of different types of arthritis uh, called juvenile idiopathic arthritis. And we're so grateful for our colleagues in the pediatric world who treat juvenile idiopathic arthritis every day. And this really is a different animal altogether. I mean, it takes on so many different forms and manifestations. And some of these arthritis have some pretty significant systemic effects. So they can involve other major organ systems as well. So children in general can develop arthritis. And again, there's definitely some other heritable and and genetic components there that we're still looking into, but it's not uncommon. When you talk about sort of the teenagers, that I think comes to play when you talk about really serious athletes and and individuals who are are really pounding down on the joints um, themselves that later on down the line, they may develop something earlier on. So for people who don't have arthritis, the lucky, you know, the lucky people who don't have to deal with it, can you explain what your patients are feeling, you know, some of the symptoms and what does it really feel like to them? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I always think about it. If I have a twinge here or pain here, I always wonder, gosh, if I accelerated that or accentuated that tremendously, I think I'd, I'd understand better what my patients are going through. You know, it's pain. I mean, I think the one unifying feature is 
pain and it hurts. And, and most of the time we'll hear patients describe it as a, a deep, achy, boring kind of pain into the particular joint that they're uh, concerned with. Stiffness is a big one. And so much so that, you know, many of us, if we've sort of had a hard workout and you wake up the next morning, you try to get out of bed, it's, it's sort of achy, you're creaky, you just feel very stiff. Well, imagine doing that and having to go through that sort of day in and day out all day. That's really what will happen. But this is stiffness, not just to the joints, but then secondarily, to the muscles surrounding the joint as well. We have something called a gel phenomenon. Patients with most forms of arthritis, but definitely osteoarthritis, they sort of feel like their joints are, are working through gel. There's not that fluid motion, but it's very thick and almost like walking through molasses is what patients will tell me. And then of course, swelling, You know, especially with things like rheumatoid arthritis, a different type of autoimmune arthritis. Swelling is a big part of this. And so imagine now you have stiff joints, but you have boggy, swollen joints. It really translates back to pain. So does this type of pain come on all at once or are there some warning signs that, you know, hey, you might have this and this is in the early stages? So really great question because a lot of times I tease back to some history with my patients. I like to know not just what happened in the past three months that prompted you to, you know, come see a rheumatologist, but really what's happened in the past several years, what types of activities were they involved with, or what's their family history or everything in between. Uh, most of the time, these symptoms creep up on you. They're insidious and they may start with an ache here or a pain here, or every time I do a certain activity, I start start to feel pain in a joint. Aside from that, depends on the disease you're talking about, there may be other systemic signs. A patient might feel that they've had fatigue and they've just not felt well and they've had aching joints, as they'll describe it, for about six months or, or so. And then it starts to settle, or it might start in one joint and go to another. But really, it sort of creeps up on you until it settles to the point where it starts to inhibit function. And I think that's when really our patients are coming into us, when they notice things aren't right with their daily life or their daily activities. That's when they come to seek care. Let's talk about treatment for a little bit. Um, you know, once this is diagnosed, and maybe you can touch on how it's even diagnosed, what are the different types of treatments that you can offer? So, you know, diagnosis, and I always instruct our residents and medical students with this, and that is that, you know, 80 to 90% of your diagnosis is going to come from the history and physical. So spending time talking with the patient and really asking them about their histories, listening to them, and then examining them, examining their joints in detail really helps come and helps us come up with the diagnosis and confirm what we already are suspecting by just visualizing. We will then go on to sending them for lab work most of the time. And then even imaging really helps to, again, support our index of suspicion there. When we talk about treatment, though, again, it, we base our treatment modalities on the actual diagnosis. So if, if we think that this is more of a mechanical type of arthritis, um, something that's really more degenerative or, or wear and tear, we will really sort of direct our treatment on modalities that can change that. So weight loss uh, is a big part of it. Exercising or stretching in the ways that can really help strengthen the muscles around the joint to protect the joint um, are key. But when we talk about treatment, it's really what we can offer for pain control first when it comes to osteoarthritis. Now, let me say this. When it comes to osteoarthritis versus rheumatoid arthritis, if we take those as the two most common types of arthritis, unfortunately, we don't have anything at this point um, that will help manage the disease or prevent the disease from getting worse when it comes to osteoarthritis. We only have modalities for pain control and helping improve function. So things like 
physical therapy can be very helpful. But things like pain control, Tylenol, Tylenol or NSAIDs, for example, intraarticular injections. So I oftentimes will have to inject steroids into a patient's joint just to help them with the inflammation and pain. And then, of course, other things like topical ointments, etc. For rheumatoid arthritis and other immunologic types of arthritis, we actually will prescribe things that are going to quiet the immune system down so that it no longer attacks the joint and causes the joint pain and the swelling. What's beneficial about those is that those actually not only help treat the symptoms, but they actually can help prevent progression of the disease. So we're hopeful that in in years to come, and hopefully sooner than that, we will start to have uh, treatment modalities that will do just that for osteoarthritis as well. Dr. Sheetal Chaya is answering your top questions about arthritis and chronic pain. You can make an appointment at Valleywise Health by calling 833-855-9973 or by visiting valleywisehealth.org. You know, you mentioned with treatments that diet and exercise are definitely part of that. If you live your healthiest, best life, you know, you you have the perfect diet, you exercise the right amount, can you prevent arthritis from happening? So to a certain extent, I think we can help by paying attention to those modifiable risk factors, right? So really, like you said, watching what we eat and being cautious, um, you know, everything in moderation, right? And really just staying active. That can only help us in terms of how we protect our joints from weight and load bearing and that sort of thing. But I have to say there is definitely a part of it that that is not modifiable. It's not things that we can control. Um, for example, there is the hereditary component of osteoarthritis. We, Some of us just will never be able to prevent the arthritis that we may get because a parent uh, had it uh, before us. Rheumatoid arthritis, the same thing. If your immune system is technically programmed, if you will, to develop that, there's really very little that can be done to prevent that from happening. So it's almost as if we want to continue living, as you so rightfully said, our best life so that we can make sure that when and if and when we ever are faced with a challenge like uh, an arthritis that we couldn't control, that at least we have the tendency to be able to be healthy as we manage through it. Absolutely. So are people with arthritis more likely to develop other complications if they have, you know, if they do have arthritis? I think when it comes to the type of arthritis that we're talking about, some of the arthritis, like rheumatoid arthritis, can go on to involve um, extra articular manifestations. So what I mean by that is organ systems that don't have to do with the joint at all. But the same type of inflammation that's happening and the same type of immune system attack that's happening at the joint level can happen at other organ systems too. So for example, the lungs can be involved in very aggressive rheumatoid arthritis. Um, Sometimes you can have blood vessels that are involved. As far as osteoarthritis, that really common type of mechanical arthritis, well, with that, I think we talk about the fact that pain begets pain. So the moment you have pain in one joint, you might start to develop it in other in other joints as well. And if that limits function, I think with that comes stagnant lifestyle and the ability that patients just slowly progress into this point where they aren't able to move as well. And then exercise falls by the wayside as well. And then we talk about the relationship with that and cardiovascular disease. So I think there is a snowball effect there. And we love to be able to help kind of intervene in, in, in many different ways to to prevent that from happening. This was such a comprehensive discussion on arthritis, and I want to move on to chronic pain um, for a little bit. But before I do, did you have anything else you want to offer our listeners on arthritis or if they're starting to deal with that before we move on? 
you know, just that the one thing I respect so much about the human population, our patients, especially here at ValleyWise, is that we, you all know your bodies and patients are really well in tune to how they're feeling. And if there's something that feels just not right, you know, and you've done the best that you can to take care of all other facets of your life, let us help. I always appreciate the patients coming in and saying, hey, I'm not quite sure, but can you help me out through this? And I'm always there to to help answer those questions. Um, Earlier than, you know, sooner than later is always a uh, the best the best way to approach it for sure absolutely and you know if you're out there and you're feeling an ache or pain or just have some questions for a doctor um, Valleywise Health and District Medical Group have clinics all over Maricopa County all over the valley there's one opening um, January 25th in Peoria so go ahead and make that appointment you can call 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday or visit valleywisehealth.org to learn more so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about about chronic pain, and I'm guessing arthritis can certainly be defined as chronic pain, but what is the definition of of chronic pain? Chronic pain in general is just really pain that's been going on and lasting for weeks to years, and, and certainly more than six months. A lot of times this is pain that's really more generalized and and very hard sometimes to ascertain a cause. Um, You know, it's really been written, and I think it depends on who you read, but, you know, over 100 million people will experience chronic pain. Billions of dollars are lost in revenue of lost work and disability. It's a very uh, difficult, difficult uh, thing to to address for patients and also challenging for physicians because we are trying to to, uh, uh, help patients feel better. And sometimes chronic pain is just long lasting and it sticks around for an undetermined amount of time. Yeah, I was kind of shocked to see as I was preparing for this interview that the CDC says over 100 million people in the US are dealing with chronic pain. That was quite a shock. Absolutely. And it comes in so many different forms. Um, we don't really even understand what causes it. I mean, we we do know that there's always going to be one instance that, that shifts the nervous system and shifts pain signals in the human body. I do do my best. And as rheumatologists, we are really trained to be able to dig deep and ask the right questions so that maybe we can ascertain the cause. And maybe that'll help us figure out how we can actually manage it. But sometimes it's just too far gone and and we're sort of left to manage the resultant um, symptoms. So other than arthritis, what are some common conditions that cause chronic pain? Yeah, I mean, the list goes on. How much time do we have, right? (laughs) You know, and I think our patients would would gladly line up and share their experiences with us. But, you know, conditions that cause chronic pain, well, we all know about the headaches and migraines, sort of neck and back and spinal pain is really a a big common one. Back pain is such a common problem in, in the United States and worldwide. But let's not forget about uh, chronic pain secondary to injuries that happened years ago, and we're sort of left with that as a, as a result. Uh, cancer and sort of systemic disease, you know, that leaves quite a mark even when the disease itself is well controlled. There's always secondary pain that happens. And then there's these other syndromes that we we definitely see. I see a lot of this in my office and, and rheumatologists do universally, and that's fibromyalgia, a, a diffuse widespread pain syndrome that we're slowly trying to better understand and get a grasp over so that we can help patients with the pain piece of it, at least, that comes along with it. What are some of the common symptoms that people complain about when they come to your office with chronic pain? It, it really spans the gamut. And I always uh, say that it can mimic some of the arthritis uh, and autoimmune diseases that we also see organically, but it can be anything from pain to the joints 
to pain to muscles. Patients will describe it anywhere from a deep, aching, boring pain, as I said earlier, into various parts of the body to a sharp shooting, burning, lancinating pain. It'll be associated sometimes with range of motion limitations, so they can't move a certain body part as well or smoothly without causing severe pain. And pain is oftentimes what limits that. And then also it might be accompanied with a decrease in their energy, uh, fatigue, a change in their mood, whether it's more anxiety, more mood instability or depression, and then again, decrease in function. And we're always really sensitive to those uh, aspects of it. And oftentimes, if we if we hear certain buzzwords, we know that maybe this is something that would be well served with co-management by other subspecialties as well, such as neurology or pain management. Certainly chronic pain, I'm sure, can have a huge impact on people's lives. I know when I'm not feeling well, I can't focus at work. I'm not a good mom or a good wife. So, you know, there's so many different ripple effects about that. Yeah, absolutely. Same. And and we really, um, again, so much of this is really explaining and, and teaching our patients to understand better the, the symptoms they're experiencing. You know, one of the things that I love most about the field of rheumatology is that I see patients of all ages, but oftentimes I'm seeing the younger set of patients. And these are patients who, you know, would expect by definition to be very functional in their world. And the hardest part for them is that they're sort of stricken with this chronic pain that they're just not able to explain, first of all. It's not like they got a cut and they can explain where the pain is coming from. But secondarily, it's hard to navigate their life in the world of uh, of pain. And uh, it's, it's very disheartening because this is the time where they feel they're supposed to function the most. And the same goes for our patients who are older and they're retired and they're thinking, gosh, I, these are supposed to be the best years of my life. So, right. you know, part of it is just education and really talking through and saying, hey, listen, we see what you're going through. Now let's see what we can do to at least optimize your function. And that's that's sometimes all we have. Yeah, let's talk about that. So what are some of the treatment options that are available for someone with chronic pain? So first and foremost, I think if we can do our best to identify the source. So if it's an autoimmune disease or if it's an inflammatory disease, then we're going to do our best to try to navigate and really target that. So if it means we have to take a better control of their rheumatoid arthritis or their underlying inflammatory disease or even their mechanical osteoarthritis, we're going to go ahead and do that and do our best. Um, if we can identify a source that maybe has to do with another part of their body or another system, then we'll also invoke the help of other subspecialties. You know, I think pain control and pain management has got to be multidisciplinary. It really does because so many different organ systems are involved and the sources are are different. But if we do identify that, there's also some non-pharmacologic ways, right? We know about the pharmacologic ways. Again, the acetaminophen, the non-steroidals can help with pain, pain processing. There's other types of medications that we use. We use antidepressants and we'll use even some anti-epileptics or medications that the neurologists will use like gabapentin and pregabalin out there. So we'll use things that'll target nerve pain as well. In addition, I really do not, I don't ever want to forget the non-pharmacologic modalities here. I love instituting physical therapy and occupational therapy to help people really gain strength and mobility. I think patients love the idea of massages and acupuncture if they're capable of getting that. Sometimes that can really help in conjunction with maybe a a course of non-steroidals, for example. If it's requiring more um, aggressive management, then I really rely on my neurology and pain management colleagues for things like 
injections um, and um, other forms of intervention there. And then, of course, there's behavioral management. I, I cannot underscore enough the importance of controlling mental health and really improving mental health and in, in helping target chronic pain from at least one of those angles, if not many others. Well, it's certainly good to hear that there's lots of different options. You know, if something's not working for a patient, there's different things you can try. Absolutely. Absolutely. Such a good conversation today about arthritis and chronic pain. Dr. Sheetal Chaya with District Medical Group and Valleywise Health. Thank you so much for joining us on this show today. Oh, Lauren, thank you so much. This was such a privilege and a pleasure um, to talk about something that I have loved doing for, gosh, close to 20 years now. So thank you so much for this opportunity. We hope you enjoyed listening to Valley Well Via Salute, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you've heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. There, you'll find blogs and videos from our healthcare providers, and you can even book an appointment at a Valleywise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.